want to live a life designed by you. You want more energy and vitality. You want to be a better thinker and doer. You want not just to live longer, but healthier longer. You want to increase your energy and focus to multiply your production. Once you do these things, you want to make it stick. I'm Jason Wright, creator of Massively Transformative Habits, and I want to be your personal performance coach. Through scientifically backed methodologies, I will show you not only what habits to adopt for a massively transformational life, but I will show you how to make them stick. Through this four evolution program, you and I will work together to help you design the life of your choosing. Are you in? Then let's go. Visit jasonrightnow.com forward slash MTH. That's jasonrightnow.com forward slash MTH. Now, enjoy the show. All right, so several months ago, Mrs. Wright comes home and she starts asking me about this new drug, Ozempic. She hears that some of her friends are taking it and they are just having dramatic weight loss. I mean, like crazy weight loss. They're like, their entire body composition is just changing the likes of which she had never seen in her life before. And so she asked me about it and I'm like, I have no idea what Ozempic is. I knew nothing about it. Started doing some research. Then I started finding out that it was actually a type two diabetes drug. So I did a little digging and figured out that Ozempic was essentially the prescribe the uh, brand name for what is semaglutide, but I knew nothing about semaglutides or the peptides that they are. And so from Mrs. Wright asking me this question months ago, all of a sudden I have just been barraged with all these questions as more and more people start getting, um, uh, they start hearing about these peptides. They start hearing their friends are using them. They're seeing this just incredible weight loss. I mean, it is dramatic. And those of you listening, most of you, you know, you've seen it. If you have seen anyone that has started using these peptides, it is absolutely shocking. And so I wanted to gather information from a real expert. I mean, look, I am not a doctor. Nothing I ever say on the Jason Wright show with regard to health, wellness, supplementation, or anything like that is is to be taken as medical advice. I want to say that at the onset. But fortunately, I have incredible friends that are in the medical field, one of which is Dr. Gus Vickery. Gus is a brilliant human being. You can read his bio in the show notes. I won't go through that whole thing because I want to get right into this conversation. So uh, he's in Asheville, North Carolina, but he was actually in Texas because his daughter Evie is going to be a freshman next year at Texas Christian University, TCU. So it's my goal to make them full-blooded Texans as quickly as I can. But until then, I'll just have to be satisfied with him being one of my closest friends from afar. And Gus and I sat down and we had a lengthy conversation, not not only about whether or not semaglutide is good for you, it does he find it effective, what are the long-term results, but here's the deal. We're going to go into in this conversation the exact protocols that you need to adopt pre-semaglutide consumption, I guess you'd say, and post, okay? So this isn't just one of these things that you go and you start getting these injections and then you just go on about your day. You know, your body's going to go through dramatic changes and with your body going through dramatic changes, you obviously have to prepare the body for those changes and then also prepare the body for 
after it has made these changes. If you remember, you heard my last conversation with Joel Green. We touched on this a little bit, and this is exactly what Joel said. He said, you know, look, you're going to be going into a major caloric deficit. I mean, these 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 peptides basically make you not want to eat. And it's just, it's insane. You lose your appetite. So they're, they're incredible for appetite control. It's just kind of crazy. And so anyway, with all of that said, I had Gus come in and we had a lengthy conversation. Now, I got to tell you, the audio is not as great as what I had hoped because I was using two microphones. To, well, I won't bore you with all the details of how your host kind of screwed it up. But fortunately, I had a backup recorder going. And so we kind of come in about five minutes into the conversation. The only thing you missed was me talking a little bit about my daughter, Abby, and her type 1 diabetes and how possibly uh, semaglutide might be able to keep those of you out there who are listening that are type 1 diabetics, you know that there's a honeymoon period, which is, which is whenever you're diagnosed with type 1, but yet your pancreas is still secreting, it's still producing a little bit of insulin. And so here's the cool thing about these peptides. There might be a way to actually extend the uh, the honeymoon period for those people who are type 1 diabetics. And so what that means is they will not have to have as much insulin supplementation as as early as they might have otherwise. So, you know, to call this a wonder drug, I mean, I hate saying stuff like that, but I mean, I literally, every physician I've talked to has said, these are great. They are game changers. For for those people who are metabolically challenged and, and they're, you know, grossly overweight and just have trouble, and Dr. Gus talks about this, are just having trouble getting that weight off, these can be life-saving life-changing peptides. And so I really hope you enjoy this. Now, listen, if you want a free copy, you're going to hear us go into the the uh, detailed protocols of how, if you're going to take semaglutide, there are, there's a lot of supplementation that Gus recommends. We go through the list in this episode, but if you want that list, all you have to do is go out to, I'm going to actually put it on jasonrightnow.com. So be looking for that. But in the show notes, I have actually put a link where you can click on the link and it will give, take you to a landing page where you can download free of charge, no free, no, no strings attached. This is Gus's gift to you. Uh, and you get his semaglutide playbook, which will tell you it will help you understand, is this right for me? Am I a good candidate for it? What should I expect? And how can I have the most success with it? It's list all, not only all the supplements that we talk about in this podcast, but also there are links to the supplements. You don't have to buy those brands. Gus isn't trying to sell it. Nobody's trying to sell you anything today. This is truly informative. So it, just understand if you go out and download the playbook that, uh, that Dr. Gus has put together, it's just your gift. It's a gift from me, Jason Wright, to you. You know, I, the motto is to improve always and always. And the more I learn about these peptides, the more I realize they can truly be beneficial to people. And so enjoy this conversation with Dr. Gus Vickery. And we'll, we're going to be bringing you more. If you have any questions, just go out to jasonrightnow.com. Shoot me a question. Uh, please follow me on Instagram and DM me if you have questions. And I, will, I won't answer them. I'm going to get it to Gus. He, he Look, he has a heart to help people. This is, you know, he is, he's an amazing human being and he wants to help as many people as he possibly can with his gift of medicine. And, um, 
And so just reach out through me to, to get him questions, download the playbook for free, no charge. And with that, until we meet again, continue to improve always and always. And now enjoy my conversation on semaglutide Ozempic with Dr. Gus Vickery. Thanks. Perhaps regenerate beta cells, at least if we have some tissue left there, any functioning beta cells, could we get regeneration? And it's, uh, we don't have a, a clear answer, but if I were just to give you my gestalt, the answer is yes. Wow. Yeah. Now, that's not necessarily for every single type 1 diabetic, but that for a lot of them, if they're willing to walk this path, that we might find that at the very least that their need for insulin could be minimized. They could wow. use very low doses of insulin and have hemoglobin A1Cs of 5.0 like you or I, you know, which is a low, good A1C. So it's really cool that we have this opportunity. And yes, all three of those patients, semaglutide is playing a role in how I'm treating them. That's crazy. But but so, but now I guess the if you reach the point where pancreas has shut down, mm-hmm. like let's say for my daughter, Abby, it shut mm-hmm. down. There's no bringing it back. It's just, it's just kind of extending. If you catch it early enough, like the first time she had that mm-hmm. huge spike in blood sugar, she's on the bathroom floor. Yeah. I don't understand why she's so weak. And they go, oh my gosh, here's what's happening. Yep. Then you catch it, you might be able to extend it. But once it's... I would have said that. I don't know. Okay. And this is why. So, you know, if she still has even a smidge of C-peptide mm-hmm. that could indicate, could that she's still got a tiny percent of functioning beta cells. And if that's the case, you know, and this is experimental, no guarantee on any results, but it'd be safe. Um, I'm curious about protocols where we use immune uh, uh, modulation peptides that can help uh, balance the immune system, reduce most forms of autoimmunity. Uh, you know, so we go after kind of the potential to reduce the autoimmune process itself, which type one diabetes is commonly that. Right. Um, and then we add in the higher doses of these stem cell enhancing agents, along with bioregulatory peptides to increase the DNA expression within the cells that are there. And we greatly reduce the workload on them by using other glucose regulatory uh, compounds and also if they'll go ketogenic for a period of time, which there are studies demonstrating that a ketogenic diet in individuals who have compromised beta cell function, uh, they, what they have been able to demonstrate is clearly improve glucose control, reduce insulin resistance. Uh, but they also have seen markers of the beta cells that are still present being healthier, not necessarily measured improved function yet, but markers of the actual health of the beta cells. Yeah. So what I saw in these individuals who are slightly different in that their initial C-peptide levels were very low, right? Like, I mean, if they went to an endocrinologist, they would have done exactly what you should do in a regular doctor. They would have put them on insulin right away. That, that's all that would have happened. But, and it might be smart to do that because you can offload the workload on the, whatever beta cells are there. So I'm not criticizing that approach, but the problem is then you just become insulin dependent and don't think there's any other options. Yeah. So in those individuals, you know, again, managing it carefully, especially in a young lady that we don't want to develop an eating disorder and stuff sure. like that. Yeah, I would probably layer in a low dose of 
semaglutide. I would start the stem cell enhancers. I would prep the immune system. I'd maximize amino acid and nutrient availability for cell replication, have them go ketogenic, use exogenous ketones, and use a bioregulatory peptide stack and see what would happen over six months. The one time I did do that, but it was a very, it was new onset, right? Okay. Um, we saw the C-peptide and endogenous insulin levels come up significantly, not to normal, but significant improvement. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So to the people listening, they're going to say, all right, Jason, that's really cool. Get on. <laughs> we, we understand you love Abby and mm-hmm. you know, she's got type one, but I'm considering, I've heard semaglutide, I've heard of Ozempic and it's, it's worked for my friend. I just want to know, Dr. Gush, should I take this stuff? So I want to go back to yeah. kind of the, how it can impact the pancreas, how that impacts glucose and then what's happening. And I know you'll get to this, but one of the downsides that I've heard mentioned is like the uh, the 400 pound person that comes in that they've got lean body mass. And because the FDA, this since this was, I guess it was on Ozempic, right? That was- There are some people that- Okay, we'll get some questions here in a minute. Since Ozempic was basically gone through the FDA approval, and you correct me if I'm wrong, as a weight loss drug, that's all it had to do was say, if it, if it does meet its claim of weight loss, that's all we require. It didn't require it to meet where the weight came from. Okay. So the fact that it is cutting into lean body mass mm-hmm. as well as body fat doesn't matter. And so from what I found is in my research is that you almost have a, an inverse impact in that a semaglutide can actually take two-thirds of your lean body mass and a third of body fat instead of the two-thirds body fat and only a third of the lean body mass, which can be detrimental. So leading up, because that's what, when people ask me about it, that's one of the things I say is like, well, from what I understand, that's why I want to bring somebody like Dr. Gus in to talk about it. It's like, what I'm hearing is you're okay, but understand you're damaging your body. Look, when you lose weight, you're damaging a cell, right? Your body's going to see this. Whoa, we're not. We're, Maybe not if you have like a lot of it. Right. right. Well, yeah, exactly. You're really just having the cells do some cleanup. There you go. There you go. So so with that, you know, kind of take it from there as to, again, well, I've heard this, but, and, and, and here's the thing too, Gus, that you're going to have to reiterate to this audience especially, you know, not to be sexist or anything. A lot of the females that will hear this will go, I don't care. I don't want muscles anyway. What do I care as long as I'm losing the weight? And that's because yeah. you're because you're not going to like the look you get. Right. You go. You're going to end up with the I'm sick, malnourished. And you're well, in the long term ramifications yeah, of bone density. Yeah. All that. Yeah. And, the, and so, no. But the, here's the good news. If you protocol it properly, you can get the best of both worlds. And I do love these peptides. I think they're game changers for people who who struggle with this. So uh, to shorten it up, semaglutide, yes, great improvement in pancreatic function through something called an incretin pathway that improves insulin sensitivity and also insulin production. So you get better control of blood glucose. And that's wonderful for many reasons because insulin resistance isn't just a blood glucose issue. It's a uh, metabolic condition and your cells are de-energized and you have increased inflammation. There's all kinds of implications and why you need to prevent it. 
altogether and reverse it if you have it, which you can do. You don't have to live with type 2 diabetes. You can reverse that condition. Um, so we have that aspect. And then we know for a fact, and this is why it caused weight loss, it delays gastric emptying. By the way, it's called a glucagon-like peptide 1 agonist. That's a GLP-1 agonist, if you hear that term. So it slows down gastric emptying. So when you eat food, it sits in your stomach longer, which means you can't eat as much food. And you stay full a lot longer. So satiety, the ability to detect fullness and continue to have fullness, which is satiation, right? To have those two things... Uh, which many people have trouble with, right? Overeating food because of the way we've created textures that we don't have to chew and we can just swallow. And then we've filled up the food with things that our brain is we can easily get addicted to so we can binge eat. Um, and we dysregulate the normal satiety satiation function that was a brilliant system that worked well in a different paradigm of a food environment, right? So that fixes that, which is a big help for people. Um, in the very beginning, before it's kicking in fully, they might still overeat because of the food tastes good and they just are used to it as a habit. Yep. But then they pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> They're like bloated and full and nauseated and sick. But now we also know two other things, with well, three really, that are critically important. And this is overgeneralized, oversimplified because the actual cellular molecular mechanisms aren't fully understood. This is an incredibly complex system in the human system. Thank goodness it's actually kind of easy to, to break it down this way and it makes sense and it works. So in the your brain, in an area called your hypothalamus, you regulate energy balance. You actually regulate a lot of things, body temperature, things like that, that aren't under your conscious control. So you're regulating your metabolic rate, your fat storage, how much fat you release, hunger signaling, and all of that. And it's, again, a brilliant system if the environment we live in is similar to what it was tuned to originally. And uh, it's not such a good fit for the system we're in. So that hypothalamus gets dysregulated over time. So we have someone, maybe they get up to college, they're lean, athletic, or whatever. People are a spectrum, so I don't really want to get hung up on specific body comp numbers. I want people to be healthy. That's what I'm programming for my patients is cellular health. The end result might be like super fly looking athletic person, or it might be a person who has 20 extra pounds of fat. I don't care. I hope they don't care at the end, because if they're just genetic, natural genetics was to be an endomorph versus an ectomorph, well, then go with it. Right? right? Get strong. That's not unhealthy. Uh, there's there's a, a, a spectrum across humans and it's based on genetic set points. And we're going to tend to stay around that set point. And in fact, that's why we often don't gain weight when we're young and we're eating bad quality food or drinking alcohol because our hypothalamus is regulating us to this set point. So it's a myth when you go off on vacation and eat for a week a bunch of heavier food that you actually gained a bunch of weight. It's not a myth. You did put weight on your body, but you really didn't put a lot of fat on your body because over the short term, your body is regulating you based on that set point. And it doesn't want to add any more fat. It doesn't want to lose any fat. It wants to keep you there. Now, if that system is calibrated properly, which it often is when we're young, it'll keep us at a healthy level of leanness for us. And short-term fluctuations in energy input or energy output, the body will just make adjustments in metabolic rate and what it does with it. So it'll stay there. It's pretty easy. Also, if we don't dysregulate it for too long with the inputs, meaning eating too much food, um, not moving enough, things of that sort, and there's a lot of others um, that people often don't do accounting for, toxicants, inflammation, all kinds of things that impact these systems that aren't just calories in, calories out, 
that that's important. That, but so, you know, the 22, the 18-year-old goes to college. He was an athlete or she was an athlete and then gains 20 pounds, classic. Yeah. And a year and a half later, they're like, I don't like this. And so they do reduce calories and they clean it up and they go back to the gym and they lose 20 pounds fast, right? Well, that's because the body has not spent too long away from its set point. It's ready to go right back there. That's why it was easy to lose weight when you were younger. But now you spend a decade or two decades at a new set point that might be 25 pounds overweight, 50 pounds overweight. There's a cap meaning there's sort of a point of maximal bloatedness mm -hmm. that a person will have. So somebody with severe obesity often didn't necessarily eat a whole lot more than other people. They probably did, but a lot of times they didn't. Their, their genetic potentials for that state right. were very different than somebody else's genetic potentials to become like that, eating the same foods. Yeah. Um, and so we have to stop looking at it as primarily a... a condition of their personal choices. Um, and, and real quick now, because I know this is one of the things that you're, that you're practice and it was, I'm learning more about. We can kind of screen for a lot of that, correct? Mm -hmm. and, and get some epigenetic yep. tweaking done, yeah. right? It, 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 so yeah. I know that's one of the things that, that you're big on. It makes a lot of sense to me now that I probably took for granted. I, I like this audience to hear. It's like the understanding of your genotype, you know, and how you were, how you were designed so that you can optimize your body for its design, as opposed to being that, you know, somebody who was born super lean can eat whatever they want. You're not going to, they're not going to have the same dietary protocol as the person mm -hmm. who just seems to gain weight no matter what they do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So when we were growing up, I'm 53 or 48, right. Mm -hmm. So pretty close. We had heavier kids, we had leaner kids, and the heavier kids were always heavier, but often if they were athletic and they played football, they kind of grew into it, so they still carried extra fat, but they got strong and they were fit. Um, but we didn't see what we're seeing now with the percentage of kids. So the environmental shifts, not just the food environment in terms of what's changed about our food uh, and how it dysregulates our regulatory functions of how we eat, but also our environments, water, air, toxicants, cleaning products, hygiene products are, in, in, you know, they're disrupting the endocrine system, the hormonal systems, and they're creating challenges in the body that are unlocking these potentials much earlier in many people. So we're seeing a lot of kids right, right now, and I hope nobody takes this offensively because I don't mean in any judgmental way, but my observation of both young men and women are they're going off to college and they come back one year later. It's not the freshman 15 anymore, no. right? It's like their body has thickened up yeah. with visceral fat, yeah. right? And yeah. so and so that what used to happen maybe in your 40s, uh, and literally in your 40s, right, mm -hmm. is now happening in your 20s and soon will be 10. And that does have to do with a context, something we can talk about later for people who are interested, but it's a epigenetic uh, shift that has to do with um, uh, some protection you get from the two generations before you in terms of what was the environment of the sperm and the ova before you even became you sure. and how the genetics were being expressed more comprehensively based on that environment. And so now that we're two generations, so basically this, you compare this up to industrialization of everything, which, you know, I, I love all the stuff I've got from that. So again, I'm not here standing up on a mountaintop teaching everybody, right? right? I'm right in the mix with everyone else working these things out in my own life. Um, but nonetheless, you look back and you can see the industrialization of everything, um, which produced some benefits, but probably not as many as we think. 
was a big pattern interrupt in our ancestral genetic design. Yeah. And that what you and I got, even like my grandparents on my mom's side were tenant farmers on cotton farms in South Georgia. They were dirt poor. Their teeth were gone before they were you know, young adults. They had bad feet, bunions. But what they ate was they ate real food. Yeah. They got a lot of sunlight and their environments weren't toxic. They weren't using cosmetics and cleaning products that were toxic. And so the most important things that inform the genetic expression of an egg and sperm or a fetus or a human environment and sustenance mm -hmm. were actually accounted for properly for them, yeah. even though they had much tougher lives. And that created a level of resiliency and vitality and protection for us that we benefited from that's now gone. So the current generations were born into these environments, right? From parents who had lived mostly in these environments and are two generations removed from anybody who didn't know these environments. And that's what we're witnessing right now with all of the disease in our young population. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's yeah. one of the things I try to tell people that, and I'm the same way as you. I mean, the 10 cent calorie is a marvel. You know, mm -hmm. it's, I mean, there's people that never could have fathomed such a thing. But a buddy of mine and I, we were just on a walk on Thursday. Uh, buddy John Landis and I, we walk every Thursday. And I looked up at a billboard for Dairy Queen, which was a big hunger buster and a blizzard. And I said, you know, we've gone from a time where you would risk your life to hunt for a thousand calories. And now they put on a billboard and say, here it is. Come get it. It's already ready. Just go yeah. grab it. And by the way, it's cheap. Yeah. And, and you don't even have to chew it. You no. just gum and swallow. Just gum it and swallow it down. Yeah. Let's see if we've got any questions. We do, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I keep looking over. So. Hey, it, it, those of you who are watching live, if you have any questions, then by all means, just, just pop them in here and you got Dr. Gus at your disposal. Otherwise, check out this episode of the Jason Wright Show whenever I air it, probably next Tuesday. All right, so. Yeah, so, but real quick, so on the genetics. So yeah, it's the tip of the iceberg. Like I don't over interpret this stuff, but my genetic reports for hunger satiety management do have the cluster of genes, including leptin, adiponectin, hedonistic eating genes, dopamine regulatory genes, and FTO genes that can kind of predict who's at most risk of unlocking this potential. Wow. So, um, you know, to, to add access that I, a lot of there's a whole movement around preconception planning using genetic data now mm -hmm. so that you can begin to create those right environments both before conception during con and then after conception and then when they come into this world and I think it can make a huge difference wow. I know it could but um, I love the genetics they're very helpful but what is is what is you know and if somebody's already living in this state then we don't really need the genetics to tell us you know that right. that's what happened but the people who had that genetic potential essentially they had a, a massive mismatch with their energy balance, regulatory genes, and a modern food environment, right? It wasn't that the rest of us had better self-control than them, that we made better choices. We just didn't have that mismatch. So I, well, at least even, even, even after we supersized and added the apple pie, we were still like, okay, I'm stuffed, right? You know, that we're not gonna eat another one two hours all right, so, all right, so let me see if I'm understanding this and you've been around me long enough to know I like to try to figure out these little analogies yeah. so that I'm understanding because I'm not as smart as you. So Yeah, I, I two, wouldn't put it that way. Let's say two generations ago, yeah. I had family members that, like you were talking about your ancestors, worked the fields. So mm -hmm. therefore, they had to be people that 
could conserve a lot, a little bit of energy because they're going to be working off really quickly. Mm-hmm. So then you bring them forward into this environment. Their their body, their genetic makeup is so that hey, look, you're from that line of people that works really hard. So we're going to make sure that we store and have you have the fuel you need. We got big tankers inside of you to store your fuel because you come from a line of people that need a lot from a little, a lot of energy from a little sustenance. But now you live in this environment where you're not like two generations ago. You're not going to be exerting that energy. Mm -hmm. So your body is storing more and you're not burning like the two generations ago. So now it kind of piles up. So we've got to accommodate for that. Am am I kind of? You're you're right. But a lot of it has more to do with the eating regulatory issues. It's not just that, because as I said earlier, oftentimes they're not eating that much more than others, but they do eat more. But a larger body mass is going to eat more. Yeah, sure. But the, uh, the satiety specifically, meaning if I, even when I was a high schooler and could go to eat to crystals and eat 18 crystals, right? right? right. Once I had done that, yeah, once I had done that, I, I used to dip my toast in bacon, yeah. my toast in bacon grease. Yeah. 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 Once I had done that, I couldn't yeah. eat more crystals for eight hours. I couldn't eat more crystals that day. Yeah. I, I wouldn't get hungry for six or seven hours after that. These individuals will be hungry right away, and they can eat 26 crystals before their brain said, and you know, to those who don't know what a crystal burger is, then it's, it's a little ham, it's a slider. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so there's a, a lot of it had to do, has to do with, they can't regulate food intake in this environment. Their ancestors did work hard and there's a piece of that, but they also put, cause their ancestors didn't have as much food, right? So yeah. they worked hard on less food, yeah, yeah. meaning they were able to produce more energy out of what they had, yeah. which we'll talk about. Yeah. But the um, um, the piece of it is that their their ancestors, because of how hard they were working, they were in calorie deficits. If someone had put food in front of them, they would have ate it right away. Sure, right? that's their program: seafood, eat food, seafood, eat food, seafood. Yeah. Right, and we live in an environment not just where that food, seafood always. yeah we see food always but that even when you're not seeing it it's on the radio it's on your phone it's out there like if you look at the food marketing if you've ever done any of that research into oh, yeah, food yeah. marketing they know what they're doing yeah. and they understand that our wiring is go after it and so it's a really hard thing which goes right back to semaglutide why it's so wonderful because in mysterious ways some not so mysterious that we know, it's working at that central nervous system hypothalamic level to begin to fix some of that signaling. So that we're actually turning it down in the central nervous system. We're not just making it harder to eat more food in the gut. And that's wonderful. And now we also know there appears to be some modulation of the dopamine interplay to this system that drives the hedonic or pleasure part of the eating where cravings, specific cravings go down so that the, whether it's a sugar craving or a crunchy, salty, whatever it might be, including if here's alcohol, you're less likely to feel like you need it or want it. So you have some leverage over something that up until now you've not been able to control. It doesn't mean you don't have to still employ mindset skills and willpower and build up executive function and have a, be, have a proactive plan. for. How, you still have to do all that because the cravings will still happen, but they're just not that powerful, meaning it'll cross your mind, oh, I'd love to go get those brownies that Barb brought to the office, and you'll stop and you'll be like, 
but I really don't feel like I need it. Yeah. And then you're good, yeah. right? As a, and uh, But if you just walk in there mindlessly and see the brownies and start, then you're going to do what you've done in the right. past. So it's pretty amazing what it's doing. And that's the more powerful impact. And that's what I'm most interested in. Because if we can help people get leverage over how they approach food and correct that and help, then downstream from that, insulin resistance is going to go away, yeah. right? Regardless of the effect on the pancreas, we're actually going to get it to go away with yeah. that. And then there's another challenge here that many people have experienced when they attempt to lose weight and they do the right things and nothing's happening. And that, that there's a concept called lipolysis and that's breaking down fat for energy and a concept called fat flux, which is actually the movement in and out of a cell of fat, specifically fat cells, which is dynamic. It's not supposed to be this just static, the fat cells sitting there loaded up and just doing nothing. It's actually supposed to be this active kind of dynamic process where we're, we, we run out of glycogen, we dip into the fat store, we move it very quickly. We're moving different types of fatty acids in and out. And this flux is a two-way system and balance, but with these individuals, and some still have this even if they don't have extra body weight, and they become hypoglycemic and sick easily, is that the, fat, the out portion of the fat flux is, is broken. Okay. So there are a lot of factors that influence that, including high insulin levels and insulin resistance. It doesn't completely prevent it, but it will certainly make it harder. Inflammatory signals and immune dysfunction mm -hmm. will affect the fat flux, the ability to get to the fat. Certain toxicants impact that. So people would find themselves in a situation where they're, they cut calories, they're tracking, they're increasing their fitness, they've done it all, and yet nothing's happening. They're getting tired and it's very frustrating. Sometimes it's just, it took, it was going to take more time right. than people realized once you've reset the set point way up there. But oftentimes it's a fat flux issue and semaglutide also appears to work at that level to lubricate that process. So you can get to your fat more easily. Um, and so I love this pet. It's kind of crazy. All yeah. right. So the one of the things we haven't talked about is uh, terzepatide. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so semaglutide and terzepatide, I throw them out together because yeah. they're both phenomenal peptides. They're both ridiculously expensive, but yeah. semaglutide, we'll talk about later, practicalities around it because you don't have to necessarily get it as an expensive prescription. But uh, terzepatide is the latest greatest, and I actually believe it's probably a better peptide but pricier and harder to get right now. It does have the type two diabetes indication. They're about to have the obesity indication. And I think when they come out with their data, everybody's gonna wanna switch. So what it is, it has a dual mechanism. Mm -hmm. It is the GLP-1 agonist, glucagon-like peptide one, but it's also a GIP agonist or gastric inhibitory peptide. And it appears to be more of a split towards the GIP rather than the GLP. So it has all the same impacts as semaglutide, but the overall impact on appetite seems to be more powerful and the side effect profile is less intense. So people tolerate it easier. You can tolerate semaglutide well, but the onboarding process can be rough. You don't, the terzipatide is much smoother and easier. And also if people hit a plateau with the effectiveness of semaglutide, it appears we can switch them over and it'll start working again. Oh really? Yeah, so that's nice to have that option. So, um, you know, and so they're both really good peptides and you're welcome to take that document I gave you that mm -hmm. describes each yeah. one and talks about these protocols and share that with your audience. Yeah, yeah look at yeah. that. I'll definitely put it in the show. And that'll, any of you who are like really wanting to know more and it's like, this is a lot of detail and it's hard to pick up, I understand. That document is simplified, but it does explain these concepts that I just explained in a simplified way. So you'll be able to look at that and, uh, 
and understand what we're talking about here. But if you just go on semaglutide, which is happening because right now I like, telehealth semaglutide's the rage, right? Call up a doc, pay $75, they'll write you a prescription. A lot of those clinics are using the prescription Ozempic and I don't know how they're doing because if you don't have type two diabetes, your insurance is not covering. Yeah, it's just, like 500 bucks a pop. Yeah, well, effective dosing, 1,000 to 2,000. One, as a country, you know, it's funny when I say this, but I think like 70% of people could use this. Yeah. Even if they don't have a lot of weight to lose, like that's the thing. We've looked at people from a weight standpoint. That is so uh, inaccurate, right? Mm-hmm. Because I've got people who are lean, yeah. very lean, who have all these same problems, yeah. right? And, and, they, and, it's, and it's a big mess. And they would benefit from this as well. Um, it's just they're, they just clear it. They don't store the fat, you know? Um, and so... You know, if whether it's 10 pounds or 100 pounds, if used properly for the right reasons, this is a wonderful peptide that gives people leverage to recreate the habit matrix they want to according to their desires for life, not to, according to what corporations, food corporations, pharmacy corporations, and entertainment and alcohol corporations start programming them since childhood because it serves those corporations, right? It actually, uh, you now get the chance to back up and say, whoa. I can't seem to get out of this habit matrix because it's too hard and it's everywhere and everybody's doing it. But I really want out. I have a desire to be healthy. I have a desire to feel good. This gives you leverage. It gives you a chance to, to recreate it. But you've got to be mindful about that. But if you do it improperly, you're just going to get weak and frail and sick eventually. It's not a good drug. Yeah, and that's what I want to talk about now because that's one of the things that, like I told you, I am really um – and it's crazy, man. I can't believe like people like you and others I've talked to, Joel Green and I talked a little bit about it, that there just doesn't seem to be the downside. Like even even uh, statins that, you know, people take, you know, that you and there's you're blocking one thing that could cause a cascade of other problems. Mm-hmm. But so many people have to take them. This you don't seem to hear any of that. It's just like, no, this is really good stuff. But let's get into how you're getting to, to the point where you are cutting into lean body mass, your body is reducing in a way that you you need, especially getting older like like you know us, kind of the midpoint. And let's say that we were going to take these peptides and we start losing this lean body mass. So what do we need to be aware of and how do we counteract some of those long-term effects that you're just naturally going to have as a result of just not consuming as many calories and that's going to have an impact on your metabolic health, your mitochondria. So what do we do to prepare for that? Yeah. And real quick, and this is on this sheet, just as an aside, there are contraindications to these drugs, but you would be asked those before someone writes you, that you better be asked them, you know, and that includes a certain type of genetic history of cancer. It's very rare and you likely don't have it. It's called multiple endocrine neoplasia and it's a collection of cancers that show up in the pancreas and adrenals and thyroid. And again, it's rare, right? So just because you have a family history of thyroid cancer is not usually a contraindication. And then if you have a sick pancreas or a sick gallbladder, I don't mean that you have type one diabetes or something else, right? I mean, like you have... Uh, recurring pancreatitis, issues with your gallbladder. It might be contraindicated. It may not be, but it's perceived with great caution for those reasons. And then there's a side effect profile we'll talk about and the management of that in a moment and why that happens. But most people can do that. So 
Yeah, moving back into the question you asked, and sorry to go off on that tangent, I just want people to realize that obviously with anything, it's as a doctor, I can't help myself. I got to like say, well, by the way, (laughs) all of a sudden they take They said this is going to be great. And I've got gas and I'm reflux. Exactly. Oh, and also, yeah, so now there are actual medical indications based on aftermarket research showing kidney protection, cardiac protection, and one of the agents is being studied for dementia protection. And it's probably going to be effective because there's a huge metabolic piece of dementia um, with faulty glucose signaling and insulin signaling and insulin resistance in the brain. It's hard to fix. So I'm not surprised at all that basically fixing metabolic systems, improving body composition is having a downstream impact on kidney health, heart health, and brain health. So it doesn't appear that there's a lot of downside to it uh, to use these peptides. Um, So back to the actual question of, was it how we do it? Like, yeah, do it right, sorry. Yeah, no, it's perfect. How we do it and then like, okay, if we're gonna get on it, how do we prepare for long, sustainable health after you have taking. Yeah. So you could imagine a lot of the people who come in to see me and they're not usually just coming in to see me for semaglutide. There's plenty of ways to go get semaglutide. They're usually coming to me because they want a, a detailed mapping of their system and they want to get healthy and optimized. So this is just part of the picture, right? We do a DEXA. We have their body comp. Most people are a little surprised. People who are a little healthier don't have the 40 pounds on them are usually uh, a little shocked when they see real numbers, you yeah. know, and they're like, what, body fat's 30%? Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, it is, yeah. you know. But no, nonetheless, so usually, you know, optimizing metabolic health and possibly body composition is part of every plan I'm working on. It's just part of becoming a healthy human. Um, so we, uh, but if we need to go there, like the typical person I work with, if they come in because they've been sick, Right. They've got, or they feel sick, and it's been for a while. They really got diagnosed conditions. Then I know that there's an enormous amount of foundation work that hasn't been attended to that has to do with effective detoxification, resolving immune system dysfunction and inflammation, optimizing intracellular nutrient availability so the body can do what it needs to do, rebalancing hormones. You know, there's all this work you've got to get done. I'm not about to launch them on the type of protocol that I've shared with you in that state. Right. It's just going to go bad, yeah. right? That's not going to help. They're going to stop eating and then they're going to further tank their immune system and you know, further down regulate hormones. Right. And they'll drop 15 or 20 pounds over four months and everybody be like, oh, you're losing weight. And then it's just bad, yeah. right? Yeah. And so the first thing we have to do is, you know, there's some things we need to optimize in the body so that it can handle calorie stress. Because if you use semaglutide or terzipatide and you dose titrate it properly and you pay attention, 98% of you are going to stop eating, right? You're just not going to think about food very often. And so you've got to prepare the body for that energy deficit. We've talked about you and I, and this might be deeper than we want to go, but that mitochondrial efficiency. Yeah. No, I think it's worthwhile. I think we'll just, I'll color in, I'll try to you okay. know, color in the, the lay person. Yeah. You know. Okay. So <laughs> your mitochondria are so much more than this, but it'll work for now. The powerhouse of the cell, cell you studied in, you know, studied in high school biology, but it's where you produce most of your energy. And so the mitochondria are these interesting little organelles that have membrane complexes and electrical gradients and chemical grade. It's really remarkable. And they have their own DNA that they express in their own proteins. And they have the ability to regulate our DNA expression and change our mood and change things about us. As our mitochondria do well, we do well. As they don't do well, we don't do well. Well, that's where your energy is coming from. And so your mitochondria take carbohydrates and fats as a source of carbon, 
and combust them in the presence of oxygen, much like a car takes petroleum, yeah, and create, ultimately through that whole process, you create something called ATP. At any given moment right now, and it could be worse than this, but on average, somebody's probably walking around with around 25% mitochondrial efficiency, meaning if it was your car, it's operating at 25% of its capacity. Um, never operated at 100%, though. So uh, what we know is that probably in pre-industrialized times when humans could actually go a long way on a lot less food that was real food without bonking and dying and moaning and groaning, but actually staying strong, that they had probably much greater mitochondrial efficiency yeah. than we have. Which, by the way, a plug, you, you turned me on to the book, Natural Born Heroes. Yeah, that's awesome. I finished it. Yeah. And it reinforces yeah. this very point yep. that when we can get our mind around the fact that we can operate on so much less mm -hmm. than what we think. But anyway, I just, I love it. I'm so glad you did it. Dude, yeah. so good. Yeah. And so I shared this with Jason and recommended, I'd recommend all of you. It's a phenomenal read. It's so fascinating. But it was stories like that about different times in human history where human beings endured some real stressors for periods of years where they did not have adequate, you know, what we would consider adequate energy available to them. They had to eat a lot less, but what they ate was real. It was nutrient dense and they were periodically getting the kind of protein that your body can use. And, but yet they retained strength, endurance, power, uh, cognitive abilities, and really did remarkable things. And it's not just in that book, uh, Natural Born Heroes, you can read about it throughout all human history. And we have to presume hunter-gatherer, they, they had to do this. So I'm like, well, why do we have this idea that if we stop eating as much in a sustained way that that's unhealthy, that it's not good for our body? Um, I, I mean, if, if in human history we can see these things occur, like certainly there are capacities that we don't understand that we're not utilizing in our human system. So that's where I began, you know, I was always tinkering on body comp because most people who come to see you want to, you know, on that. So that's been something, part of my 20 year career is constantly trying to figure out. And I did it really badly for a long time, just so you know. Don't go back and find any of my original advice around <laughs> this and follow it, okay? Um, but uh, it's a work in process. It'll get better and better, but what, we, what I've been doing in the last two years, what I've seen with good DEXA data and blood data is pretty remarkable. Blew my mind, taught me that. I, things that I thought defied uh, possibility happened in human systems. Now I realize that through this metabolic pathway, this metabolic stress, we were actually enhancing mitochondrial efficiency, which means now uh, another individual who goes from 25 to 50% mitochondrial efficiency, and you don't get there by eating more, right? That's not the limiting factor. It's not the availability of the nutrients that's affecting it. It's actually the management of the exhaust in the mitochondria from the combustion that bogs it all down. And so improving metabolic health reduces the exhaust. Um, you know, improving nutrient status, yeah. which helps produce endogenous antioxidants, reduces the exhaust and allows the whole equipment to function better, to flow more electrons down that chain. So that an individual arrives at this point and essentially they can produce double the energy, actual meaningful energy currency in their body on half the food of the person sitting beside them. And you can do one of two things with that. You can either go do all kinds of crazy additional stuff and just eat like that person, or you can actually maintain an athletic, strong mind and body, very healthy, no hormone downregulation, no immune system compromise, 
on half the food as most people eat. And that's one of the things that like, I would say it explains to me, like I used to wonder for myself, like why is it that I will rarely eat anything before now one in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. but I'm gonna have my workouts every morning, my first one, and I don't wake up hungry and I don't get hungry after my workouts. I mean, as a matter of fact, I it's rare that I eat I mean, because I'm really, really ravenous. Yeah. I, I just eat because I'm, it's time to eat. I, I just got to make myself. Got, yeah. Right, I've yeah. got to eat. And, but a lot of that came whenever I started really focusing on mitochondrial health. Mm-hmm. Whenever I really started trying to increase, because one, um, you know, I'm all about like what you're going to help me with. You're going to keep me from turning 50. And I'm so grateful <laughs> for you, Dr. Gus Vickery, for, for being willing to help me to never have to turn 50. Uh, but no, that just so everybody knows, I am. We are going to launch a project. Uh, less than fifty. Uh, Gus is going to put me through an entire screening process. I'm 48, and we're going to see first of all how biologically old I really am. Which you got me kind of nervous this week when you said I'm. Pro- if I'm 48 biologically, then I'm really doing well. So yeah. I'm like, man, I always thought I was way younger biologically, uh, but. If I'm 48, that means I've still got two years to 50, and I want to try to put that off as long. I can't chronologically, I can't do anything about it. I've been on this earth for 50 years when I'm 50, but I want to start at least holding or reversing that as much as possible. And I noticed that whenever going back to the whole eating thing and doing more with less, when I started understanding healthy mitochondria, and I think it's something. It's a, it's one of those words that people hear float around a lot. Mm. They hear mitochondria and they hear powerhouse of the cell. But when you really start zeroing in on it, for me, I think that's what's caused me to be able to do a whole yeah. lot more with a whole lot less, yeah. right? Yeah, and I'd be curious uh, what your mitochondrial genetics look like. I, I bet they are pretty robust just based on how you respond to yeah. these interventions. Some people, it takes a lot more time. Um, you know, it's mitochondrial function as a piece mitochondrial biogenesis, the ability of the mitochondria to reproduce themselves and maintain density in Mm -hmm. in tissues, all tissues, but especially muscles, heart, brain, retina. Interestingly enough, in women, ovaries, up until they go through menopause, the ovaries have the highest mitochondrial density of any tissue in a woman. Really? Yeah. After that, it's retina and then heart and brain and muscles, as you would imagine. But all tissues, of course, have them. But so the maintaining that density is important as we age, mitochondria get damaged, uh, just like cells don't reproduce themselves as well, mitochondria don't. But then there are certain things we know that can absolutely amp that up. Now, if you want to know what the most powerful one is, that it's virtually free for everyone is exercise. Yeah. Yeah. Always. Yeah. 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 But your mitochondria can't reproduce themselves if, as well as they should if you're nutrient deficient. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the big piece. And that's what we have to fix before people do this because. I can share this with the audience, and maybe you've had this assessment, and you might be a, you might be really especially unique. But you know, with my patients, when I do their baseline workups, we do a blood test that's a comprehensive intracellular and extracellular nutrient evaluation. So we're not just looking at a vitamin B12 level or a folate level. We're getting comprehensive water and fat soluble vitamins, minerals, and amino acids, amino acid metabolites and essential fatty acids. So we actually know what is the concentration outside the cell and more importantly, what's inside the cell. And I work, you know, I've got people who come in very sick. I've got people who come in super fly healthy, like high performing, who just wanna perform at a greater level. Um, either case, every single one of them have nutrient deficiencies when we start. At the very least insufficient levels, meaning that they might be in the green range, but if they're a 
high performing individual, you can't hang out on the bottom end of that range and perform well. So if you've never had this type of assessment and you're not already aggressively supplementing nutrients, just nutrients, not other things, you have nutrient deficiencies and insufficiencies. And you probably have them across the B vitamins, omega-3s, certain amino acid metabolites like inositol and serine, probably also choline, copper, zinc, magnesium, the list goes on. Um, Easy to fix, but you got to be willing to, uh, you're not going to get it in food, right? Like if you got that way eating the food that you have, you're not, you're eating more of that food's not going to actually help you with the problem. And so if you start a diet, like if you take some of glutide and stop eating and you're already nutrient deficient, right? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. Because your body's not chasing calories all the time. We have calories. We have abundant calories stored on our bodies. Even Jason over there, who's real strong, if you don't know, he wouldn't tell you. But I was impressed when I saw him. It's the first time I met him in person. I'm like, he's strong, you know, and he's also lean, right? But guess what? He's still got a lot of calories, right? So it's not like his body's going to freak out because he didn't eat because he's gonna run out of calories and until he gets a lot, lot, lot leaner, which wouldn't be healthy. Um, what it's gonna freak out about is when it's starting to run out of the essential amino acids and essential fatty acids that are necessary to maintain this structure and function of the body itself. And that's the biggest hunger driver is outside of cravings and dopamine chasing is based in uh, your brain searching for amino acids and essential fatty acids, not getting them sufficiently in the food that you're eating for multiple reasons. One, the actual density or types of foods, density of those nutrients and types of foods, but two, because your gut functions probably, I hate to say it, but a mess and digestive functions reduce. So you're not actually getting all that into your body. And so you're hungry and you're craving But what your brain was looking for all along was amino acids and essential fatty acids and perhaps other nutrients. And the moment you load those into your system, you're like, oh, I'm not that hungry. Yeah. Yeah, I still have cravings, right? My prior habits based on dopamine chasing are still there. But that intense hunger is gone because the brain finally got what it was looking for. And your body's like, I can repair myself. I can start rebuilding gut function. I can make digestive enzymes. I can make immunoglobulin so we will stop getting sick. I can actually create detoxification compounds and run those pathways. I can build neurotransmitters so we're no longer depressed. I can make thyroid hormone, testosterone, right? You get the idea. Uh, um, I get a little passionate about this because I see it so often. And and people go chasing after the wrong solution. It's not their fault. And I did, and I led people down that path for a long time just as a young physician who didn't understand. Um, so I don't judge anybody for this stuff, but I'm just like, people need to know this. Yeah. And if you're pursuing health, this is what you're after. And in, if you just chase semaglutide to drop pounds and you don't fix these things, you're going to get a bad result 100% of the time, I promise you, right? So stop first. You don't necessarily need to find someone like me you might be able to, in your community, someone will help you get this kind of data. You could just assume what I'm telling you is true about you. And I wrote it up on a document that Jason yeah. can share with anybody that says, if I was going to do this and I wanted to make sure I had nutrient support as much as possible from food-derived supplements, but some of them are synthetic, but they work, and I wanted to fix my gut and make sure it was supported, here's exactly what I would use. And just know you got to do it, right? Uh, I don't. I mean, you can... You can use me as a resource for these products. We keep these and sell them cheap. You don't need to. That's not the point. But you've got to use them and you've got to get good quality or you're not going to get a result. Now, on the other hand, the bright side of this is if you do that, if you clean up your environment, help your body detox, make sure your gut is healthy, 
take digestive enzymes probably, uh, along with fixing your gut and helping your biome, and you flush your system with nutrients, go big, right? Don't go, don't go like minimalistic here. Just waste a little extra money running this stuff through your system, right? Don't gamble on that side of the equation. If you do those things, then you start semaglutide, you'll be blown away by what yeah. happens for you. And I think that's the thing that I really wanted, the, the message I want to bring home is like, because I have heard, again, there's no downside unless you're not doing the things we should be doing anyway, right? Yeah. And so let's just run through these. I mean, I will, I'll include this in the show notes, but so we've got, uh, so if if we're going to do this now, and this is all, this list is pre-semaglutide or? I mean, I would, I would, okay. I would prep my body yeah. and assume, and most of my patients, again, many of them starting off baseline, decent health, but yeah. based on an external observation, right. um, it might be two months okay. of prep work before their body is. You think ready. most physicians are giving are giving this there? They say they just have somebody call it and say, "Hey, I heard some glutide's great." I think because it's a prescription, and if you prescribe it as Ozempic or Wegovy, which is yeah. the weight loss version, it's the same drug, just higher dose. There's going to be a prior authorization because it's a thousand dollars a month. They're probably bringing them in for an office okay. visit to discuss. Plus, you want to ask them about the family history on the cancers and contraindications, and, right. and you know stuff like that. I don't know about the telehealth clinics. <laughs> My uh, uh, a, a member of my family via marriage, married in my family, who I like a lot, who's in his late 40s, recently told me he was looking a little stronger and more robust, but he's got a lot of extra weight on him. And he recently said that he had gotten on testosterone mm. through some online clinic. And again, I'm not trying to criticize other people, but this this specific situation I will criticize. So they started on testosterone. They did t- check his levels. It was low and he needed it. And I don't disagree with that at all. And basically stopped checking labs after. They'd call, how are you feeling? I feel better, but I have, you know, I lost some weight, but now I'm stalled. But they bumped his dose and they bumped his dose. And then he ran it by me one night and told me his dose and it was 300 milligrams a week, right? Like I've got like guys built like you who need testosterone who might be on 50 milligrams a yeah, week, maybe right. 100, you know? And he was all plethoric and red <laughs> and bloated. <laughs> And I was like, dude, you know, and he was like, well, I don't, I just, I want to be healthy and I don't know. So they're checking levels. No. And I said, you need to come by my clinic and let me just look at your levels. He? He's in his forties and he came to the clinic and I told my nurse, check his blood pressure. I was here and it was like off the yeah. charts. Yeah. He's all red and plethoric and swollen looking. And his testosterone levels were like, you know, what probably double Arnold Schwarzenegger's back in Donald's heyday. Yeah. But more importantly, his bone marrow's response, his blood counts, red blood counts were so high. Testosterone will do that, and it's typically not dangerous, but his were at a level that his blood viscosity was so thick. At any moment, he was at risk of a blood clot, a stroke, I mean, like something like that. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, if they were tell, asking you how you're feeling and you're like you're not to 100%, more testosterone wasn't going to be the yeah. answer, right? You can't just keep pushing that. And so be wary. Again, I bet there's a lot of great telehealth clinics who are asking the right questions and designing good protocols. Um, that, um, and so that's fine. I mean, people need care and it's okay. I, I, making it easier to get care, I'm a big fan of that. But a lot of these are just venture capitalist companies that are just geared to make money. Well, so they're not really after that other result. Yeah, and that's one of the things too, and this isn't a plug for you because I know that your patient load is full anyway, but to anyone out there, I would just encourage you, find an integrated health specialist that, look, the the there's just the 
the economy of scale for a primary care physician, everything's working against them. They're having to see everything from a cold to somebody with, you know, that's you know having hypertension to all these things. So diagnose, prescribe is about all they really have the bandwidth to do, Definitely. right? So to find somebody who can do these pre-screenings and help walk you through a healthy plan, mm-hmm. it's something that I always took for, I mean, I always thought I'm young, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm not gonna do a physical, but then there's another level too that I would also say, and I learned this from Mike Mutzel. Uh, you know, Mike, I took his um, blood, his one of his blood courses on how to understand your readings. Right, and I know that you're really big on this. If you go to your primary care physician and get your blood work done, you're going to have, and you correct me if I'm wrong, Gus, you're going to get kind of a general population of yeah, you know, lipids, okay, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, calcium, okay, because you fall within a range. An integrated health specialist can get can actually match those results to you and and really help you understand go yeah if you want to be okay then yeah there's no reason for real alarm however you can take this to a much better level for your health long term and that's one of the things that man as i get older the more i'm willing to invest in that long-term preventive care Um, and i think that's where it starts is understanding not just that Okay, diagnose, prescribe, diagnose, prescribe. Again, I'm not busting the chops of these physicians. That's all. That's that's all yes. they had the the bandwidth to do. Mm-hmm. But to this audience, I like to say, you know, my recommendation since I'm not a physician, and I, I just I'm recommending go find a physician mm-hmm. that can really go through this stuff like yeah. like Gus does. And it's really hard to. And yeah, for me personally, I, I don't have a lot of extra bandwidth. But our practice is developing a way. To scale it will never be able to scale to tens of thousands because we're a small team but a lot of what we're doing like a prescription needs to be written by a clinician and i have other clinicians who work alongside me who can do this um, but a lot of the rest of it can be led by a health coach so getting your nutrient assessment your gut assessment a toxin assessment you got to pay for the data insurance doesn't cover those types of tests even though they're probably the most impactful in your health right now yeah. um, you can get those a health, uh, our health coaches are functionally medicine trained. They're incredibly skilled. They know they know the protocols. They know what I use. I run over them with them too. We do case studies, but they're able to give you your interpretations, tell you where your blind spots are, what is it that needs to get fixed, design a protocol to fix that and walk you through it. And then uh, depending on where you are, we do have licenses in different states. Some of these uh, things we can do via a telehealth model where the clinician could you know, after vetting the safety profile and stuff, help you get access to some of these resources. So um, Jason's right. Like I don't, I don't have a bandwidth for everybody to call me tomorrow and say, can, can you do a workup for me? But our, our clinic is actively proactively building up that capacity because the need is so great. And uh, because again, there's just a lot of the stuff popping up I don't want to be critical of other th- people. I'm not perfect. I make my mistakes. Um, uh, everything I've learned and developed around my model usually is because of where I got it wrong before. Um, but um, nonetheless, a lot of times it's just very sloppy medicine and they're not really fixing human systems. They're just trying to get you to an end result that seems desirable to you. But when you go in and you reprogram health and reestablish, restore the, the potentials of your human system, the mitochondria function, the cellular uh, capabilities. When you reestablish that at any age, regardless of what state you've gotten into, um, all the other stuff happens. How you look, how you feel, your mood, your body weight, all of that's downstream from that. 
And so people might come to me and be thinking about those things. And I understand that's what their concerns are. I'm thinking, how do I get those cells working well? How do I get those energy systems online? Because I know if we can get that done, everything else is just going to fall into place. All right. So one of the things I want to do is I want to go through this uh, this list because because to the people listening there again this will be in the show notes. I'm going to make sure I include Gus's document that he provided here. So we're talking. It, it's not that crazy at all. I mean, a lot of this stuff. Thank God I'm already doing uh, whey protein powder. Right uh, or plant based if you can't do whey. Right, but quality is key. I list. I don't know if I put it on that document, but I have accent native. Yeah, accent native. Or accent native. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay, and then um, perfect amino, essential amino acid tablets. Critical, uh, critical, critical. Yeah. yeah, aminos are 100% part of it. We probably don't have the time to break it all down right now. but I We mean, should have a whole episode we just on amino acids. I need more teaching. Yeah, protein and aminos, that's a really important one, and it's super easy to fix. Okay. Um, even if your gut is a wreck, you can use perfect amino and, and take care of this critical piece of the protocol. Again, any of you who want to read the protocol, Jason has it. He can share it. It t- t- walks through in detail. I mean, it even gets to the level of calorie, what, how much calorie restriction, how much protein to eat, what supplements to take. It's right there for you and yep. explaining the why as well. But the aminos are non-negotiable. If my patient refuses to add them unless I know like the kind of protein they eat, I'm not even going to start them on the protocol. And their amino acids are not expensive either. No. That's one of the... And they're a, they're a cost offset. Yeah. If five tablets is equivalent, bioequivalent potentially to 20 to 25 grams of food-based protein, yeah. what's the cost of a chicken breast? What's right. the cost? Yeah, I mean, right. so it's uh, it's totally a cost offset. Yeah, and, and, and you know what? I said this, and I feel kind of silly now because you've taught me something in this podcast that I probably didn't even realize. So but before we got on, I told you that if I'm going, like if I'm really doing some hardcore calorie restriction, Let's say it's a long-term fast, something like that. But if I can take some amino acids along the way, I told you mentally I'm good. I, I can go a lot longer. But really what's probably happening is, no, you're just – I didn't need the food, yeah. quote, unquote. You just needed the, the nutrients of the amino acids. Yeah. And so that's why yeah. it's not really I'm gaming the system Psychologically, it's just no, you're just giving your body what people who are going to walk this road for a long time because they've got massive shifts they need to accomplish and a lot of struggles with this. Yes, the semaglutide is helpful, but it might be equivalently helpful, probably not quite, but almost. If they'll just, from the moment they wake up till they go to bed, every three hours, take five of those amino acid tablets or use a scoop of the powder, just keep them flowing through your system. We'll take up mTOR another day. It it just, probably most of you don't even know what that's about, but it's a debate in longevity. But let me tell you, if you've got anywhere from 20 to 60 pounds or more to lose off your body, you don't need to think about mTOR because the biggest risk to your mortality is, in fact, all that excess body fat and what it's doing to you. So I, I just throw those things aside. I'm yeah. like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, What matters is we get you healthy, and then we can talk about toggling mTOR if we can even do such a thing. <laughs> right. You know, Right. Well, and that's one of the things, too. I, uh, I wrote in my newsletter, I think it was last week, actually, that, you know, the two drivers of longevity, if you're going to do nothing else, there are two very simple protocols available to every human being on planet Earth, and it's this, calorie restriction and great sleep, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, if, if you just start there, we overcomplicate. And that's key because when you do this protocol, you have to sleep. Oh, you yeah. got to recover yeah. because you the physical training, which we'll get to, is an absolute critical component. Like yeah. I, I list what you have to do, and there's like four things. All four of them are essential. None of them can be skipped. 
Okay. Now, if by some chance you've been critically injured, you're possibly confined to like a mobility device and you can't engage in the physical activity or then do everything else and you can still get healthier. There's nothing you can do about that. And just to remind everybody, what we're going through here is if you are taking semaglutide, whether it's ozempic, whatever it is, if you're taking it, this is the protocol to get the best results. If you're thinking about, because I had some people reach out to me and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing it. You know, will you please do a podcast on this? Okay, if you're thinking about it, this is the list of things that you need to be able to supplement, you know, nutrition-wise to make sure you're going to have the absolute best long-term results. The next thing we go into is omega-3 fatty acids. Mm-hmm. Critical, that, critical, critical, critical. what's your it. best way to get those? Is it uh, You know, through either fish oil, liquids, or capsules. Yeah. But it, quality is critical. I list the ones that cod I Cod liver. Think. Yeah, cod liver oil is so that you're getting vitamin A, retinol, not just carotenoids, vitamin D3, vitamin actual vitamin D from food sources, and vitamin uh, and uh, other fat-soluble vitamins. So, you know, other than the aminos thus far, which act like food, you know, we're focusing on trying to get the nutrients from food sources. They're just coming in a capsule or a powder. Right, right. Okay, and then so phospholipid uh, complex. Most people don't know that or understand. It's four phospholipids that include phosphatidylserine and phosphatidylinositol and phosphatidylcholine. So it provides the, what I mentioned earlier, the amino acid metabolites, inositol and serine. It provides the choline, but also the phospholipids are critical components of your cell membranes and many other things. And most people are depleted in phospholipids and those other conjugates or amino acid metabolites. So these two gel caps are just a beautiful, push it right into your system and get those phospholipids. Okay. And then let's see here, high quality multivitamin. That's to me, that's, you know, and you, uh, so it's just thorn basic nutrients. Yeah, it's like I throw it in there just as a fail safe to know we didn't miss something. Yeah. It has to, it can't be Centrum, sorry, Centrum, um, but it has to be, you know, a thorn or something. Um, honestly, if you start using the phytonutrient powders and things like that, you probably don't need the multi, but it's not a bad idea maybe to just take one of the thorn basic a day just as a fail safe. And then a mineral complex. What is this one? The ancestral supplements? Yeah, so ancestral supplements is one of the like organ blends oh, yeah, that, yeah. that uses really good sourcing. And I choose them. There's several good companies. Heart and Soil is a good one. But they'll do wholesale with our clinic because a lot of our patients are going to just pick this up at our office and we can drop the price way down if we can buy it wholesale right. where we can save them money because – you know, my patients, most of my patients can afford it, yeah. right? They, they can afford whatever I'm going to stack for them, and I'll let them pay for it because they can help subsidize other people getting it. Right. But many of the patients who might be engaging with the health coach and using our video courses, which, by the way, um, we are releasing those for public use, and they're everything we're talking about, but in like an ABC way, I uh, don't mean to offend anybody, but, you know, essentially like elementary lessons and then middle school lessons and then high school and then grad school from peptides to all the way down to just the simple little things that you've got to get right that many people don't understand is in those video courses. And the one on body composition, optimization, metabolic health covers everything we're talking about in an organized way in like short video segments with the company PDFs and resource links. And we're going to probably sell those at like 70 bucks or something, you know, and it's hours of content. So uh, just so you know, if you like, well, I'd really like to pick your brain for five more hours. I have probably none of you want to do that. You've had enough of it. But if you did, <laughs> if you're really unique, like my wife, I'm kidding. She doesn't want to hear any more about this. Um, 
then uh, that's that's the best way to do it is you can get those courses and I'm teaching everything I know about it. And then I'm updating them all the time as I learn new things. Um, all right. So continue. Sorry. What I think we? that's it, man. I think that. Yeah. So Oregon Blue, oh, Ancestral Supplements. So we, that's why I choose that brand. It's not the only good brand. There are a lot of good brands. But uh, most of my patients are going to ultimately end up adding liver capsules or organ blend capsules. I think it actually, that's what I'm Yeah. Because it's really a great source of nutrients and it's food based. It's real food. But the mineral complex they have is a blend of three different types of minerals, including kelp-based minerals or sea minerals, uh, not sea salt minerals, but kelp-like seaweed-type minerals, which gives you iodine. So it's like a really balanced overall mineral complex. For me, it's just easier to carry bottles of capsules around. So I can throw those down. A lot of people are tired of capsules, so you can get trace mineral elixirs and drops and things. Now, trace minerals are great and you need them, but you've still got to get the density of copper and zinc and selenium and manganese and molybdenum and things, which are commonly deficient. So some type of mineral complex like that or another is really important part. In fact, minerals are really, they're more critical than amino acids. Your body will decompensate and fall apart faster in absence of minerals than it will amino acids. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why it's silly. It sounds that's why I've started for, yeah. I've started drinking. If everybody sees this, uh, my, my drink of choice is Mountain Valley sparkling water. Uh, I think Pellegrino is really good. has high sulfur. Yeah, Gerald Ger- Steiner is actually. Oh, it's, yeah. it's pretty potent, but yeah. it's good. Yeah. I, I, I drink a lot of that. We were buying it by the case until we got on this. Uh, Mountain yeah, Mountain Valley's, Valley's great. I think that's local to Appalachia. I think it comes yeah. out of there, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, that's actually, where I live, is Appalachia. Uh, no, Wachita. Oh, okay. I was wrong. But it's close. I mean, yeah. it's a good story. I live in the mountains and I saw a mountain. I thought, well, it must be here, right? Yeah, yeah. of course. But no. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So drinking sparkling waters, adding sea salts, all those things, critical, especially when you start losing weight. If you're not like increasing mineral repletion, unless you have a medical reason to limit salt, you got to go big on that. That's one of the things, too, that I'm really glad we that's why I wanted to do this episode. Gus, is because, again, it sounds like there's no downside unless it's like in and of itself. It's, it's not going to like hurt you, harm you. It's not going to it's going to help. you. Yeah, this is really a great, incredible breakthrough. And I like what you said that I think a lot of people take for and I, I'm probably falling into this a lot of times where I'm like, no, just get your crap together. But, you know, it is harder i i have the time i i this is my the closest thing i have to a hobby but for some people this is like trying to quit smoking is to try to eat less or yeah. to or to go ahead and supplement and so it sounds like if you will do these protocols that we've talked about today that this could be a total life changer for some for some folks it's a total life changer it's wonderful to see the transformations and the thing and, and if you do it the way i'm talking about it's not unsafe people will think you're crazy i get you know, I'll get some flack. Now, I'm going to tell you that right now, if you watch this and you look at me, this isn't my usual look. I did have a gastrointestinal virus. I dropped a lot of weight fast. I'm a little bit weak. I'm building back up. So I'm slightly leaner than I usually like to be. Um, But typically at 53, working a clinic, having three teenage kids, weight training all the time because Keeping your lean mass after 50 is much like living the life of Sisyphus in Hades, rolling the stone up and then just having it roll all the way back down again. Um, And so you really have to go after that, which is a critical piece of the protocol. And I do all of that. And after years of just sort of programming myself, as I learned, I'm always running my first experiments myself. I'm not using semaglutide or anything like that. But after years of 
doing that, I arrived at a place where I was, I know that based on tracking devices, I was burning over 3,000 calories a day, which included intensive resistance training and long walks in the woods and rucking and all kinds of stuff and, and a lot of mental demand on the work that I do. And yet I was probably consuming an average of 1,800 calories a day with a lot of, you know, well, I use a lot of the amino acids, but a protein equivalent of like 180 grams a day with a lot of portions of amino acids. I, I don't eat nine steaks a day or something like that. Um, I don't eat that much food. Um, and I thought, well, surely there's a price to pay on this and you don't eat it, but you know, you don't hear, you'll hear it. You don't eat enough. Why don't you eat more? This isn't healthy. Surprisingly, people who are at a very healthy body comp, maybe they get to 13, if a guy, 13 to 14% body fat, a woman, 26% body fat. They're strong, they're fit, they're healthy. Often now they're told they're too lean. They don't look good, right? And I'm like, that's not helpful, right? right. Um, and so you have to kind of clear all that noise out about what what's healthy and what's not. There, if, if we were right about what's healthy, what you wouldn't look around our population and see what's happening yeah. right now. So I arrived at this place and that's where I started really thinking about this mitochondrial efficiency piece. I'm like, I'm not supposed to be able to do this, right? Like this defies the laws of thermodynamics. And my genetics are for higher metabolism, not lower metabolism, right? So not that that has that much of an impact, but if anything, I'm naturally geared to a higher metabolic rate. So I should have to use more. So I would look at labs to look at immune system function, hormones, inflammation, you know, adrenal stress, watch heart rate variability, signs that my body was beginning to be overstressed because I don't eat enough. They never developed. They just kept looking better and better. How do I feel mentally, physically, other than when I had my intestinal thing? I feel great almost all the time. Like I almost never lack for energy except when I recovered from COVID for a while, like many of you possibly, but eventually got back to normal. So I'm like, what's going on here? And as I dug into literature regarding metabolic function, mitochondria, and these ideas, I realized that's mitochondrial efficiency. I don't have to eat as much food. And given the quality of our food and the toxicant burden, it's kind of nice to have to eat less of oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And then when I do get to eat, I if I can eat half as much food, I can spend more and get that grass-fed, pasture-raised, yep. you know, really good quality beef or the bison. And I can get the pure, organic, locally farmed produce. And I can eat nutrient-dense, tasty food because yeah. I can afford it because I'm buying half the food. Exactly. Um, so, you know, I learned that that and then I began to apply it to patients and what I saw was pretty astounding with a lot of data sets that people won't believe till they see them even physicians that I teach about this until they see the data and you can't just go on one data set it could be a unique response now I've got dozens and dozens so with DEXA full body comp like accurate and before and after labs one of the most recent ones is a 43 year old dentist uh, from up hour of the mountains from me who was feeling terrible and overstressed wonderful person and he was shocked when his body fat was 32%. He was like, I got to do something. So he followed the exact same protocol. He did not use semaglutide. All we did, he did have very, very low testosterone. So we used some peptides to push that up. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, he used the protocol. And some extras because he had some detox to do. And we, we pushed more nutrient support for him than I list there. And in six months... He dropped his body fat from 32% to 12%. Wow. That's that, yeah. That was 30 pounds of fat loss. How old is he? 43. Oh, gotcha. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, 30 pounds of fat loss. Now, he was a little like, I just wasn't losing as much weight, but he felt so good. He was sure. excited. He hadn't lost a lot of weight because he had added 20 pounds of lean mass to his body. So he only brought 10 pounds, but his body comp was dramatically shifted and his lab panel 
beautiful and it was a mess to start. So that's just one example of many I could give. And now he's carrying it forward. Sure, he's eating more again, but he's not eating like he used to. Um, you know, he was on pretty low calorie restriction while we did this without semaglutide. He has a strong willpower. And now he's back up, but he's finding he can't eat more than about 1,800 calories a day. Yeah. And he's not hungry. And that's because of that. And then we'll do another episode where we talk about managing the exhaust in the mitochondria, which anybody could start to put into action tomorrow, or maybe it takes a few days to get the resources, where you can immediately get up to a 50% improvement in mitochondrial efficiency simply by giving your body some things that will manage that exhaust load inside the mitochondria. It's pretty cool uh, what we're learning. Um, I don't mean to carry on, but you can get to a point of despair. I could. I mean, you know, I've seen hundreds, well, I've seen tens of thousands of data sets, but over the last year, hundreds where I was privileged for the individual to, to be willing to let me get their comprehensive gut health assessment, their full urinary toxicant assessment, their full intracellular micronutrients, plus all their labs for hormones and everything. And this is a spectrum of people, everyone from somebody pretty sick to someone like in Jason's shape. And yet every single one, 100% still had serious issues, multiple nutrient insufficiencies or deficiencies, a lot of gut challenges, especially in their biome that needed to get fixed and digestive function and gut wall inflammatory issues, toxicant burdens, glyphosate or Roundup, sky high and everyone, except for a few people, uh, this doesn't mean to be prideful, but who do what I do, where we don't have to eat all that, yeah. you know, produce, but the glyphosate levels, the mold toxins, the arsenic, the cadmium, all the heavy metals that are in groundwater, that are in city water, that are in food now. It's unavoidable. It's a message I don't like to share because I think I think, don't think anybody wants to hear it. I, I sure don't want to give it. But essentially, uh, probably 90% of the food available in our marketplace right now is actually poison that's non-nourishing. Yeah. And it's really destroying our kids' health. Really, really. Because every so often a parent asks me to do a status check on a kid just because they want to know. It's worse because of the loss of the epigenetic protection. It didn't yeah. used to be that way, but now it's worse, which means they're developing, they're growing a brain and a body under those conditions, and that can't be done well. Um, so potentials are being limited, uh, and it's critical. So that sounds despairing, but what I figured out is if we follow this path, and it doesn't have to be super expensive. So you just apply the principles. You clean up your environment. You clean up your water. You clean up your air. You become more selective for, about food. You train mitochondrial efficiency and improve your metabolic health. Then you get to go live your life in freedom. Applying those principles, which are pretty simple, once you automate them, you feel good. You're not sick. You get all this on the other side. Reduced cost of medicines and disease management and sickness and, and loss of energy and all of that. And at the same time, because your human system was designed brilliantly and well and resilient and strong and God knew the time that was coming. So he actually built capacities into our system for this time, which is awesome. Yeah. Right. Like he didn't just build it for the first time, like back, back, right, life, right after the garden. He built it for a future he knew would come yeah. where we kind of dishonored the earth and didn't become good stewards of these things. Yeah. Um, because of that. The level of resiliency in a well-functioning, healthy human system, you, you can apply the 80-20 rule. So you can, I could go into Fort Worth to a Mexican restaurant last night, like I did with my daughter. Jojo Tees? Well, no, we were oh, tired and no. she, we toured the campus, which was awesome. We went to Maria's. It was okay. Cool. Yeah. And we sat and sit down and eat chips and queso and oh, salsa and tacos al carbon yeah. and like do it up and not worry about it a bit. Because you're not going to get sick in a healthy body because 15 or 20 percent of the time, like when I went down to the islands and ate conch fritters and french fries, right? You get to do all that again and enjoy it 
you won't want to do as much of it, but you get to do it, you get to enjoy it, and you don't get sick. And then, you know, if all of us just, like, I've worked with people throughout my career that live in projects and have no resources, but, and that's a lot harder, but actually now I know, and, and they understand, they, they even can begin to do some things that will make a huge difference. Sorry, I soapboxed for a long time, forgive me, but... Brother, you're speaking, you know, you're, you're talking my language. I do want everyone to hear that message. And that's one of the things that I talk about as a pitch for my course, Massively Transformative Habits, yeah. is, time, is a time. I'll give a pitch for that. Yeah, I appreciate it. Is because I do think that, one, as we talked about, there's so many people trying to escape, taking, you know, smoking things, popping things, and drinking too much of things, eating too much, that are, it's just self-inflicted harm. But when you can start to optimize and really feel good naturally and line up your consumption with what your body was designed to do, dude, it feels, and that's the thing I always tell, and one of the things I'm really excited about, whenever you put me through all the panels that we're going to go through, I mean, obviously there's that vanity part of me. It's like, no, I want mine to come back to, I want you to be shocked with just how amazing my health is. But no, to the listener of the Jason Wright Show, I want you to know that I want you to see how even someone who's the improve always and always guy has a lot of room for improvement. Yeah, because you want room for improvement because you know you can feel even better. Yeah, Yeah. I want to know what it is and I want to get more people, you know, to just to buy into this idea of, man, you got one life, get the best out of it Mm -hmm. and, and, and get your body optimized for the way it was designed to operate. And I know, again, I know with all my failings, it just feels a lot better being healthier. So I want to take it again. I want to take it to another limit. I don't want to turn 50 and Gus Vickery is going to keep me from doing yeah. it. I appreciate that. Yeah, I share my own data. In fact, I'm about to do a, a, a reveal of a recent gut panel I did on myself awesome. because it's going to illustrate that if you ignore the gut protocol and do what I'm talking about, yep. there's trouble coming because I did ignore the gut protocol when I did my thing after the first of the year where I, yep. I ran with it for a little bit just to test and I got a great response and felt great, but I did not use like any fermented foods. I didn't use fiber supplementation, natural fiber, probiotics and things for my gut. And my biome was host. Yeah. And so that's okay. I I can rebuild it, but it was like, there I am. Right. So it's, I love to use my own data so I can say, look, here I am in the midst of this. I know all this. I'm doing all this. I'm using all these. And yet if I neglect a vital piece, it, the implicate, the consequences are right there. Yeah. 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 Gus, this was awesome, man. I enjoyed it. Now let's go. Uh, let's go take a walk, get some sunshine, and mm-hmm. uh, talk about how we're gonna bring uh, bring more of this to more people in a beneficial way. We got all kinds of things to talk about, dude. Thanks so much for coming by and being on the show. I appreciate it. And uh, for all of you out there, hey, thank you for watching. Those of you who watched on the live, if you have questions after this, just shoot me a question. Go to jasonrightnow.com contact form. I will get the questions to Dr. Gus and. He and I are in constant contact and uh, anything that he or I can do to help you. Where can everybody find you to keep up with what you're doing? Yeah. And so I have been kind of dormant and doing other things for a little while um, just for my own sake. I love reading, creating. So I have a personal website that's my professional website and it's Dr. V. So that's D-R-V, not spell a doctor, D-R-V at AuthenticHealth.com. And then I also have a... um, uh, a, we have a practice website that is AuthenticHealth.com, which is our combination of family medicine plus integrative practice and all the other stuff. 
Now, on my website, there are video examples of these different tests I'm talking about with reports just showing you what's in the reports and what they cost. And there's some blogs and other information soon to be. There will be, there's a, just so you know, if you're interested at all, if, I mean, you might not want to hear any more from me. I try to keep videos a lot shorter and simpler. But if you are interested in learning more, if you go there and you sign up, I don't sell stuff via email. You'll, you won't, you'll be disappointed you'll hardly ever get an email from me but I'm about to start because it's so critical to get this information out and I'm going to be sharing everything that I can share everything I'm learning I want to put some of your stuff into the Vitruvian Lab app yeah. I want, I want to, we'll figure yeah. out how to make that work yeah. for both because of us I, yeah, we I want it to be easy yeah and I can send it all to Jason because he'll make it happen whereas with me I'm too busy treating patients I'm in dude I'm yeah. in but essentially uh, I want this to go out. I want it to go to your friends, your neighbors, your school teachers, everywhere that so people can know this truth and start to take action. And any resource that can help, um, I'm going to I'm going to make it clear. Here's where it is. Here's how you can get it. Um, and uh, a lot of it, our clinic can help you get and stag for you. We save you money. The sourcing is impeccable. And yes, it helps our clinic financially so that we can continue to try and provide some aspects of this type of care to people who don't have a lot of resources. So anything that can improve our revenue flow sees to it that more people can get healthy. Awesome. Gus, Thanks. appreciate it, brother. Yeah. Everybody, guys. <laughs> thanks for listening, yeah. folks. We'll talk to you later. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, don't forget to improve always and always. I'm Jason and I'm out. Well, that does it for this episode of The Jason Wright Show. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a Texas Titan Media production. Fourth Wall did the music. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Please consider going out to jasonwrightnow.com and signing up for the Vitruvian Letter. Also, please go out to iTunes. It takes like 30 seconds to just leave us a five-star rating. It does wonders for the podcast. I would be so grateful. And with that, until we meet again, go crush it and endeavor to improve always in all ways. I'm out. Thank you.